0: Greetings, Tarnished. Welcome to another episode of the Elden Archives, a Robots Radio Rocket Club podcast that covers Elden Ring lore. This week, we are talking about Ronnie the Witch. I am A.K. Spartan. I'm Gatsu. Last week, we talked about Melania and we had talked about how that was a big episode because it's a very, very well-known boss fight and one of the more famous characters from the game. But Ronnie might actually be an even more famous character than Melania a more popular character than Melania.
1: No, I would definitely agree with you. I, that was the first ending that I had done. I didn't do the base ending before that one. I did the, the age of stars. So that was the first like playthrough that I had, had experienced.
0: So you were, you were Ronnie Pilled from playthrough one. Oh, absolutely. But, um, Ronnie's actually
1: not a too unfamiliar thing. We've kind of discussed her a little bit in previous episodes with the the Knight of the Black Knives being one of them, was one of the orchestrators and that, was mentioned in the Empyrean episode, specifically when we were talking about chosen Empyrean.
0: But uh, this week we wanted to talk a bit more about Ronnie herself. I mean, it's it's one of those things where when you have a character that touches this many things in the, or, or is related to an ending like that, they're going to come in contact with a lot of different Parts and pieces of the lands between and the lore, and so even coming up, I mean, R- Ronnie came up in the Radigan episode just as being a daughter of Radigan, and as, as, that's not as as an important piece of maybe her journey in the lands between as say like being part of the Knight of the Black Knives, because that's that's kind of like the thing that she's known for is is her involvement, and you know, that's kind of the big debate around her is you know, what what did she know? Going into that, well, was she manipulated? Was she not manipulated? How big of an actor was she in the Night of the Black Knives? And then as a chosen Empyrean, that's kind of what pushed her to be involved in the Night of the Black Knives in the first place. I mean, trying to break away from the greater will and that destiny that as we talked about in the Empyrean episode that it's, it's not really a fate that anybody wanted. I mean, America didn't, America didn't seem to be in line with it by the end of things herself. Outside of that, though, she's the daughter of Radigan and Ranala. Like I said, you know, mentioned in the Radigan episode. So not actually one of the children of America, kind of a stepchild of, or actually a stepchild of America's. What, what do we really know about her and her relationships with the rest of her family other than Radigan? Cause ra- her and Radigan don't seem particularly close. We don't really know much about that. But like we talked about in the Mikola, Melania, and Radigan episodes, or, you know, these are all family relationships and there are certain siblings or parents that are closer with others than others. We
1: do know that she was close to a couple people, but the person that really comes to mind is someone that we don't get to meet, which is the snowy crone or the snow witch, however way you want to look at it. I think that relationship is definitely interesting. You actually learn about this relationship with the snowy crone from the item descriptions for the snow witch set, which includes the hat, the robe and the skirt. This description is the same for all three, which goes to say once worn by the snowy crone who the young Ronnie encountered deep in the woods. She was a witch and well versed in cold sorceries. It is said that the doll that houses Ronnie's soul was modeled after her. And I think that's pretty interesting. Um, So it kind of begs the question of how close was Renala and Ronnie, really, her actual mother?
0: Well, and I think the interesting thing at the end of that, the Snow Witch item description, the Snow Witch set item description mentions that the old witch was Ronnie's secret mentor. And so I think that because we see Ronnie or we hear Ronnie's voice, uh, during the Ranala boss fight, as the, we, you spring the trap where, you know, you you end up fighting the the vision or illusion or what have you of Ranala in her full form, because that's I mean, that's not the Ranala that's actually in that room. So I, I think that considering that and considering the, the component of secret mentor, I still think that Ronnie and her mother were very close, R- Ronnie and Ranala. But I do think that perhaps Ronnie sought out knowledge and insight from outside sources, because as we know, I mean, Ranala, I I mean, is, is pretty frail and and unstable, you know, from a mental and emotional capacity when you find her in game. I mean, there's not a lot left after Radigan leaves and everything goes South in that sense of Ranala. I mean, she's, she's locked in that room. So I wouldn't be surprised to, to find that Ronnie had a secret mentor that was kind of helping her along as Ranala was seemingly out of capacity at certain points in time.
1: No, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, it doesn't seem too far-fetched outside of, uh, for Ronnie's character. It definitely would seem like she would be interested in learning all she can, not just from Ranala and you know, with that being lunar magic and whatnot, but then also branching out into different types of magic.
0: Well, and throughout Ronnie's uh, questline and just her interactions with her followers, yeah, from Celevis to even the dragon Adula, you, you get a mix of both Karian sorceries and Frost sorceries. So I, I, I do think that she probably did, like, like we're saying, she, she probably did absorb knowledge from both both avenues. Something else that I find interesting though, because last week with the Melania episode, one of the big themes was the very close bond between Melania and her brother Mikola. That bond is not necessarily true in every case here with Bronnie, as because we know of two direct siblings she has yeah, in that family line of, you know, underneath the parentage of Renala and Radigan. And that is Prater Reichard and General Radon. Now, on one hand, her and Praetor Riker seem very much to be aligned and on the same side, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But on the other hand, General Radon and her could not seem to be more more against each other.
1: No, I mean their goals are completely against one another.
0: And to back it up a little bit, Radon is one of the biggest defenders of the Golden Order. I mean, I mean, the whole reason Radon is against Ronnie's fate. I mean, that's what Ronnie's doing. Ronnie's whole quest line and the and that ending, which, you know, like you alluded to or you had mentioned earlier, that was the first ending you chose. That ending is all about breaking free from the Golden Order and the greater will. So Radon, Radon standing in the way of that is just Radon being exactly what we know Radon to be. And that is one of the hardline defenders of the Golden Order it definitely makes sense for Radon
1: to be against it as well because he takes after his father a lot, Radigan. Um, they're both they're both huge kind of poster childs for the the Golden Order and in tandem the Greater Will.
0: But so I I definitely agree with you. Well, and I think that's the interesting thing, too, because Riker, the other sibling that she seems much closer with, was also at one point very involved in the Golden Order as the as the, you know, Praetor Riker, the lead Inquisitor. But then he seems very much on Ronnie's side. I mean, you look at the uh, back in the Night of Black Knights episode, we talked about the item description for the Blasphemous Claw that mentions that during the the Night of the Dire Plot, Ronnie gifted that those traces that are in that claw to Riker so he could stand against Malakath. that that seems a lot different than Radon directly standing in the way. I, I mean, one, one sibling is directly working against her. One is directly helping her in every way possible. I just, something I just realized that's kind of just interesting to me is that each of the Karian children, outside of just standard Karian sorceries, throughout their lives, specialized or learned about or discovered another form of sorcery with Ronnie and the frost sorceries, Radon and gravity magic and uh, mastering gravity magic, and then Praetor Riker and discovering the magma sorceries of, you know, the volcano, her volcano manor. All three of them showed the affinity for learning different forms of magic outside of the standard teachings of their family. And I just think that's interesting considering who their mother is.
1: Yeah, that is a very interesting point that's something that i didn't really connect until you just said it it definitely there seems to be a theme there of like straying away from the norm in a sense um because they might all maybe possibly know lunar magic ronnie for sure but they all go out and create and discover these different uh, spells and forms of magic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just, I just thought it was an interesting, an interesting trend that I hadn't thought of before. I, I really quick before we uh,
1: get deeper into Ronnie as a whole, I wanted to kind of bring up some comparisons that have been made about her character and references to uh, one of my favorite mangas, which is Berserk. There's basically been a comparison between Ronnie the witch and a character in the manga named Shirka. They both live isolated from the rest of the world. Um, when you find Ronnie, she's in her tower. And when you, uh, when we are introduced as readers to the character Shirka, uh, Shirka, she is, um, apprenticing a very powerful witch in this giant majestic tree isolated from the rest of uh, civilization it's really hard to get to also on top of this the uh the snow witch that ronnie learned from what lived in the woods so it's another kind of reference to the tree that shirka's mentor flora lived in that's pretty much like the kind of summarization of their similarities the uh their personalities don't exactly line up Shirka is a lot more open and kind of bubbly than Ronnie is. And Ronnie is kind of cold and cut off from the rest of the world. She doesn't really trust anyone. But moving on, I want to talk about uh, when we are first introduced to Ronnie. When she first initiates conversation with us, she introduces herself to us as Rena the witch, not Ronnie. She doesn't trust us. But she didn't pull the name Rena out of a hat or anything because when we get to the area in Liernia where we find Ronnie's riser is also a tower specifically for Rena and that is where we find the snow witch set. So, I think it is safe to say that possibly Rena was the name of the Snow Witch.
0: Well, and going back to when you mentioned the item description for that set, uh, the the doll that we meet, as, that Ronnie speaks to us through, is modeled after the Snow Witch. So if that's the name she's using and that's also the likeness she's using, that, that would all make a sense to me. I also just think it's interesting that Ronnie is an example of yet another demigod figure that is, despite being, you know, a demigod and supposedly very, very powerful, still dealing in things like trickery and misdirection, things like using an alias and lying about their identity. Because that's something we see with with uh, uh, Morgoth and Margit. That's another example of that's, that's a hidden identity with the veiled monarch and, and not actually being the real name there. And again, that was used to, you know, kind of help Morgott moves some things along in his agenda and do what he was trying to do. Ronnie's doing the same thing. You know, she doesn't really want everyone seemingly to know who she is and what she's doing right away and doesn't actually reveal your, herself to you, the player, as Ronnie until, if I'm not mistaken, until after you've defeated Radon.
1: And it, I mean, it also makes sense for her to be secretive because if you think about it, Ronnie was behind the Night of the Black Knives. Of course she wouldn't want, or at least she was one of the key players. She wouldn't want anyone to know who she was, where she was. It definitely would make sense for her to hide her identity from us. It—it It is definitely a near perfect disguise, save for obviously the people who Know her, which I kind of want to talk about them a bit now. Talking about Blythe, Celibus, and E.G., kind of her war council in a sense. Starting off, I want to talk about Blythe, who I would say out of these three, she is definitely the closest to. Um, She was first introduced to Blythe as a child. um, It is said, is told to us by e.g., in fact, that Blythe appeared to them one day at Ray Lucaria, and then Renala then raised him as her own son. So it's it's definitely safe to say that they had been together for quite some time. Their relationship is definitely more closer to kind of a brother and sister versus just a an Empyrean in her chosen shadow.
0: Well, in a sense, in a sense, sure. But sadly, also, I mean, we see how that ends for Blyde. I I mean, I I think that's one of the sad things about Ronnie's journey in this whole thing is other than Celevis, who throughout her quest line will ultimately betray her, the, the subjects that try to follow with her don't make it. I mean, this is a journey that she ends up embarking on alone. I mean, and the sibling that helps her is not there next to her at the end of this. You know, blide is not there next to her at the end of this. E.G. is not there next to her at the end of this. Everybody that played a role in getting her there ends up, ends up not surviving to see it through. But she perseveres, which I, I think is part of... What makes that ending so interesting and kind of like, in a way, is like a like a microcosm of what that ending feels like. What that ending feels like with just that whole un, that unsure new beginning, where like because 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 Blyde, I mean Blyde, do you this is a this is an interesting thing about Blyde. Do you think that Blyde came to her the day she was chosen as an Empyrean? Because, I mean, that's a, that's what Blythe's function is there for. I mean, he, w- he wouldn't even really be involved in her life if she was not an Empyrean.
1: It definitely would make sense that Blythe kind of appeared around the same time, if not almost like instantaneously, when she became an Empyrean.
0: Right. And I, I think that's one of the interesting things is with Ronnie, too, is Ronnie, even in the events of the game itself, is a very busy actor because, like Mer, like when we talked about Merica and Radigan, Merica and Radigan have so much to do with the story, but none of it really happens in the game that you actually play, like as the player character. Like their their involvement is further, like, is is much farther back in the history of the lands between than what you as the player see. But Ronnie is involved both back in the history of the lands between with things like the Night of the Black Knives. And stuff like that, like we mentioned, but also is very busy in the modern day, like in the game that you, the player, see. I mean, her quest line is, to my knowledge, the longest quest line in the game. She has the entire sequence where she is in the miniature doll and she's guiding you through the you, the player, through the underground. She She's very busy just throughout the entirety of the the history and the current events of The Lands Between which we don't really see from many other characters. I definitely see what you're saying there. I mean, Ronnie has you as the player
1: character go to at least three different areas to get specific items. She sends you to Siafra Riverwell to meet up with Bly. She sends you to Caleb to meet up with Bly for the Radon festival. She sends you to Nakron itself. She definitely has been busy.
0: Yeah, I just think that outside of maybe Mikola, there's not really a character that seems to touch so many things or be involved in so many things. And and again, and we don't really like like we were talking about in the Mikola episode back when we when we covered you know, our thoughts on Micola to to this point, a lot of that is unconfirmed. And a lot of that is is stuff that we're hoping to get clarification on. We know that Ronnie you know, is doing all this. I mean, we, we do it for her. I, I mean, as the player character, towards the end of that quest line, you essentially become, you know, for, you know, more or less her, her consort for the purposes of her ending, if you choose that ending. That is true.
1: And you definitely get confirmation that she knew that this was going to happen in some sort of capacity, because once you get the hidden tre- treasure of the Nox, the... Uh, fingerslayer blade she then warns you of baleful shadows coming for her and trying to stop her which you encounter one of these shadows which is in the form of Blythe. kind of in my eyes you know like mocking ronnie and trying to you know shake her faith in her plan but there's also Doesn't seem like it was the first time someone had tried to take the form of Blythe and assassinate her because there is an item you can find at Ronnie's Rise. It's called the Black Wolf Mask. And the item description says that a relic of an assassin who assumed the guise of Ronnie, the witch's loyal shadow. The likeness is striking. I definitely think this is curious because it brings up a theme of people going after Ronnie and we know why Ronnie was uh, sent assassins the second time it was the greater will she went against it but what I want to know is why was she tried to assassinate the first tried to be assassinated the first time
0: I don't think you would expect anything less from somebody that was involved in the greatest conspiracy of the lands between. I just think that I don't know if there would be any difference in why she was, you know, she had assassins coming for her at any point in time. I would assume that from the moment she was involved in the Night of the Black Knives until the present day and past the present day until she completes her ending she was always going to have assassins coming after her because, because again, the Night of the Black Knives was such a pivotal event. The Night of the Black Knives wasn't something that, you know, just, just came and went in the Lands Between and had a minimal impact on things. I mean, it's, it is literally one of the most impactful and driving events in the narrative of the Lands Between and Elden Ring. And so her... Whether it whether it's a hundred percent confirmed, you know, or 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 maybe America was more involved, or or what, we we know that she, to an extent, was involved in the night of the Black Knives, and I think that obviously at there I'm sure there are there are other agencies in the lands between that also have that knowledge. That's that's kind of how conspiracy theories just sort of work. I mean, not not everybody is going to be in the dark. Some people are going to be in on the secret. And some people are going to know what Ronnie did and who she did it with and what and what went down. And I wouldn't I'm not surprised at all that there seems to be a history of assassins coming after her because she decided wh- whether, you know, it was the right thing to do or not, because I, I think I think most people choose that ending because most people jump on board with the idea that the greater will is bad or the greater will is corrupted or the greater will is, is a negative entity. And I also so I I agree with that for the most part. So, I I mean, I don't think Roddy did anything wrong necessarily in what her goals were, but she was involved in a mass assassination plot that attacked the royal family of the lands between. I would assume that until she accomplishes her ending, there were always going to be assassins coming after her.
1: Yeah, I definitely see that as a possibility because like you said, I mean, there was so much time between the events of the Night of the Black Knives and come to present day. So, but Ronnie isn't always surrounded with people that she necessarily trusts, but she surrounds herself with people that she needs.
0: I think you make an interesting point there with the statement that Ronnie keeps people around that she needs but might not necessarily trust. I I think that goes back to the entire thing with Blyde. I I mean, I think Blyde was kept around until he was useful and she knew the entire time what he was. I've always kind of had a more pessimistic read on that dynamic. A lot of people seem to think that that was a very, like, loving and close bond, but it very much seems like as soon as, as Blyde wasn't useful... And that was no longer part of the plan that that he's dispatched of. And Cellevis, funny enough, I mean, is foolish enough to, you know, make one of the assassination or make one of the assassination attempts, you know, against her himself, which doesn't work out very well for him. And so I think you're really spot on there when you you say that uh, that's another just kind of theme of hers. She she has the ability to navigate those situations where. There's not necessarily trust, but there's there's a mutually beneficial relationship at play, and that helps her, you know, push everything forward to ultimately achieve everything she does to get to her ending. And as we move to the end of the episode, let's talk about that ending just a little bit because we we, we've mentioned it throughout this episode so far, but that that ending has some very interesting implications for what it's bringing next. It's very much one of the more open-ended endings of the game. And with that being the first ending you chose, I was just curious as to your thoughts on on a larger scale of what you feel like that ending is bringing for Ronnie, for the player character, and the Lands between.
1: It was
0: definitely a sense of
1: the greater will wasn't fantastic. And so I, while I was playing the game, I definitely got the sense that I was choosing the best ending for me, because if you think about it, all of the other endings are just a continuation of some sort of the greater will, whether it be mending the great rune and just continuing the greater will and the golden order as it is. Or if you choose a different flavor, so to speak, with the age of dusk and the dung eaters ending. Those are all just different kind of variations of the basic ending of the the golden order ending.
0: Yeah, I think they did an interesting thing with... Because first of all, I agree I agree with you in the sense that a lot of the endings are just a different variation of the status quo in some way, shape, or form, with some obvious differences and changes, but for the most part, the status quo. And then you get to the Age of Stars and the Frenzied Flame ending, and I think both of those are very interesting because to me, they're almost polar opposites of each other, whereas... The frenzied flame ending is just everything is gone. And it's not like a reset. It's not like a a hopeful, questionable, like, what are we going to? Is this something new? You know, Ronnie amongst the stars, you know, exploring, you know, whatever new beyond is there. It's it's just everything's gone. It's it's just burn it down. But then on the flip side, there is, like I said, the age of stars where I don't know if I would consider it an optimistic ending, but I think in the context of the lands between, it's kind of like the most optimistic you can get because I don't think that a lot of the status quo resets are very beneficial to, you know, the lands between or many of the different various, you know, like the Albin or or anything like that that you encounter throughout the game. And at least Ronnie's ending opens up the chance at something different. Right. And I get what you're saying with the idea that the age of stars
1: isn't necessarily a a hopeful ending because I mean, you're, you're leaving the whole thing behind, not really doing anything to make anything better for the lands between. However, the way that I kind of looked at it while I was playing was that it wasn't so much as an, Separation from the greater will. I mean, that was still evident in like, you're not gonna be on that physical plane anymore. However, I saw it as like, you are still, quote unquote, kind of in the lands between, but you're in another realm, similar to Farrahmazoula. because Ronnie makes a point in saying that she believes the gods of this world, should be separated from the rest. So it's almost as if you and Ronnie are going to go wherever and hang out in this dimension, and then life in the lands between will carry on. And again, it's not necessarily a very happy ending, but it's not. I don't personally see it as Ronnie and yourself kind of ditching everything. I see it more of just like a separation, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that, uh, and and this came up during the Empyrean episode. I I still find it interesting that Ronnie, despite, I mean, again, because she has the longest quest line in the game. She has all of these followers. She is involved in all of these events from the historical past of the Lands Between and the in-game, you know, the in-game stuff that the player is involved with. She's such an instrumental figure and she does all of this in the pursuit of rebelling against the greater will and rebelling against being a chosen Empyrean and rebelling against the, you know, the the status quo of the lands between and what her destiny seems to be. And yet that destiny was to usher in a new age. And by the end of everything, that's exactly what she does. And I will always find that interesting because I, I think that it's just a nice little twist at the end of everything that. She accomplishes everything she set out to accomplish, and yet at the end of the day, it is exactly what the greater will planned her destiny to be. It doesn't say anywhere that an Empyrean is ushering in an age that perfectly follows the age before it. I mean, the age of stars coming after the age of the Erd tree or the age before that, I mean, there's nothing that says that that, like you said, isn't exactly what the greater will has planned out. And so I, I just wonder if there's not some sort of monkey's paw here, you know, where maybe Ronnie isn't getting exactly what she thinks she's getting with this ending, because I think that it seems to me that she, she is following, despite what she's trying to do, still in line with exactly what the greater will would have planned for her next week. I want to talk about somebody that I don't think has the greater will has any plans left for. What do you think about talking about to Riker next weekend?
1: Well, I think it would only be fair since I know as well as, you know, this was definitely a topic that I was excited to talk about. And I know that Riker is probably, if not your favorite character or at least boss in the game. I'm very interested in your thoughts on that.
0: All right. Yeah. So let's, let's do that. Let's, Let's do that then. Next week, that'll be our episode. We hadn't announced anything about that yet. So next week, we will talk about Praetor Rikard, or Rikard, the Lord of Blasphemy. That is it for our episode on Lunar Princess Ronnie, Ronnie the Witch, however you want to address her. Uh, we can also just refer to her as everybody's favorite Elden Ring character. Obviously, you can find us at the Elden Archives at gmail.com. That is the show contact. You can hit us up with feedback of any kind, ideas for episodes, theories about things we've already talked about, suggestions, any anything like that. We are also on Twitter. Uh, the show is at Elden Archives, and then I am at Elden Spartan. Uh, Gatsu, what's your handle? I am at Gatsu995. And then we are also on the Robots Radio Discord. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this is a Robots Radio Rocket Globe podcast. So we are, of course, on the Robots Radio Discord, which means that not only do are we both on there individually, and you can hit us up and chat with us on the different channels there, but also the show has its own channel. So if you want to find people that are a part of the network community that are also listening to the show, also chatting about Elden Ring, that is a place for that there. Other than that, like I said, I think we're gonna do Praetor Riker next week, and we have wrapped it up for this week. We will see you all at the foot of the Earth Tree. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the Wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mob Man! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next.
1: War never changes. Does it,
0: Bonnie?
1: No, it certainly does not.
0: True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts.